Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Here's a question. Can we understand creativity in a more scientific way? Well, a researcher in complexity theory thinks that we can. Ju Yong Park is an associate professor at the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology in Daejeon, uh, South Korea, and he's visiting New Zealand for the Capital City Complex System Symposium, organised by Te Punaha Matatini, and he joins me from our Wellington studio. Ju Yong Anyong Haseyo, thanks for joining us. Kia ora, anyongaseyo. Um, talk to me first of all about creativity. How do you define creativity? What is it? So creativity, it's something that we have to study because we can't really define it scientifically as well as we can like other uh, concepts such as energy. But that's where we're trying to go. So creativity is one of the most cherished and loved human faculties that we have. But for all the things we love about creativity, the scientific understanding, the level of scientific understanding we have is quite low. And that is what we're trying to tackle. Well, yeah, because I guess one of the questions that springs to mind for me is, why do you want to understand this? Because creativity, in a sense, is kind of the magic in the world. And um, isn't it kind of nice having that mystery? <laughs> well, so let's talk about two things that are really important for a human civilization. So one, I would say, is culture. Uh, broadly speaking, it's a collection of things we have made. And science, broadly speaking, is a collection of things we have learned. Mm. And everyone, I think, will agree that these are the two pillars of human civilization. And the way these two advance is that, you know, people who work in those fields, be it culture or science, they actually are faced with new problems. They're trying to solve it by coming up with novel solutions. And that's where creativity comes in. People who are creative are able to find new answers to face the challenges. And as a result of that, our civilization advances. And that's why creativity is important. So how do you go about trying to understand the science of creativity because i mean you're you're sort of you're trying to get inside people's minds right and that is a task in and of itself yeah let me talk about two influential figures of the 20th century or recently as uh recently as 21st century one is a quantum physicist called david bohm whose name may not be too familiar to many of the people but he was a giant in quantum mechanics of the 20th century and he defined creativity in the following way so if we look at the real world, things are very messy, right? People are always going in different directions, the molecules in the universe bumping into each other and making those chaotic motions. But he said that creative people are able to see the order behind those apparent disorder. You know, that's what gave rise to the quantum mechanics or mechanics that actually gave order to uh, those chaotic motions of molecules. And he said in the process, we find totality, harmony, and even a sense of beauty. And the ability of some people to see the order behind the disorder is creativity. So that's one thing. And let's go back, come back to, um, come to a late 20th century, and let me talk about Steve Jobs. You mm -hmm. know who that is, right? Of course. The yeah, founder yeah. of Apple Computers. Yeah. He said very something interesting about creativity. He said, well, if you ask people who are creative, 
they actually are embarrassed at first because he said creativity is about connecting things and those people actually are embarrassed when you praise them for being creative because they have just seen that what's there. It's just that they didn't make new things. They actually are able to discover things that have already existed and that is creativity. And what I'm trying to do is kind of merge the two things. First is the ability to see the order behind the disorder. And secondly, finding things that are already there in the form of connections between things. Let me give you an example. So let's say there are only 10 things in the world. You know, that's not too difficult, right? You have, you know, two thumbs and eight fingers. Mm -hmm. In Korea, we would say we have 10 fingers. <laughs> that's the difference Indeed. in the language. Yeah. So let's say we are able to connect to two things, either connect them or not connect them. Do you know how many ways there are of connecting the 10 things to each other? Many. About 35 trillion ways. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, so just start from a very few things and you talk about the connections between. There's so many things you can discover. Yeah. And of course, of the 35 trillion things, it's not that everything is good or useful or beautiful, but it's the creativity that actually lets you find the few beautiful connections that we can have with just a small number of things. That's really interesting, and um, it springs to mind. I mean, that um, the power of large numbers kind of things um, brings to mind for me music, and particularly uh, piano. And that there are what, however many, twelve, twelve, you know, twelve keys on a on a piano. But um, the, the the amount of music that you can sort of create is is vastly more than that. And you actually use piano in your work, correct? Yes. So thinking about networks and creativity, we focused on music because uh, so the as a, compo a composer's job is to basically simply put to find the next note you want to play based on what you have mm -hmm. and then come up with overall a beautiful one. And just finding new things, coming up with just random connections of notes, it's not enough to give you a beautiful piece of music because uh, there's this thing called a monkey with a typewriter mm -hmm. in the field I'm coming from. Say, you know, you just give a monkey with a typewriter, everything it's right down will be with a very high likelihood, very novel because it's something you have never seen before. But of course, it's just a random jumble of letters. Mm. What you actually have to find is a succession of letters that make sense, which is, you know, written in our language that we can recognize. Mm. And in terms of music, we have a similar thing because you can just give a piano to a monkey and let it play. It's not music. You actually, there are certain ways of harmonic progression, certain notes that we play that and we recognize as beautiful. And that's why we wanted to uh, focus on that. Well, yeah, because I guess n not all creativity is created equally, is it? Like a, a, a two-year-old's mm. painting might be infinitely creative, but it's not necessarily uh, intellectually groundbreaking or a great work of art. Uh, yes, so we actually uh, identified two aspects of creativ creativity. So... When we want to call something creative, it actually has to um, satisfy two things. First one, it has to be novel. It has to be different from what has come in the past, right? So that's why we call it creative. But that's not good enough because with the example of the monkey with the keyboard, everything is novel because it will be different from whatever great novels we have in the past, right? Mm. So the second thing is it actually has to be influential in the sense that people who actually have come after you will want to mimic you. That's the two things. So if you think about it, these are two competing aspects of a creative work. First, you have to be different from the past, but you also have to be similar to the future. Mm -hmm. 
right? So that is what gives you that quality saying, you are new, you are doing something new, but it's so good that people who are following you actually want to copy you. If, um, if an element of creativity is understanding the order behind chaos, do you think machines can be creative? Well, it's a huge question nowadays, especially when people are talking about artificial intelligence. Yeah. Now they're talking about artificial general intelligence. Um, but the consensus right now is that computers or machines cannot be creative. Uh, first of all, because the way artificial intelligence is done nowadays is what is called machine learning. And that is based on whatever is input from the human creations, all those data. And what the computer actually does is just look at what people have created before and making sort of a copy of those. And people are uh, skeptical that anything truly creative will come out of those algorithms. Mm. You are using data to look at the novelty and the influence of, of creative works. Can you take me a bit a, a bit through how that works, how you would even begin to quantify mm -hmm. something like novelty and influence of a creative work? Oh, yes. Uh, this is uh, basically based on the work that I did with my uh, previous student. Mm -hmm. So we are looking at a piece of musical composition as a series of notes, right? So, of course, not just a random series of notes, but actually one note actually has to make sense in a way that's actually sound good together. So what we did was collect the piano compositions from the past 200 years in the Western musical comp uh, tradition, and we compared how the notes are played uh, of, of the compositions made in different times. So let's say, look at the example of Beethoven and Liszt, right? Mm -hmm. So Liszt was known to have been such a great fan of Beethoven that he actually made a complete uh, piano transcription of his entire uh, entirety of Beethoven's symphonies. That's how much he liked them. So we can see that if I'm, a, I'm Liszt and I come up with a composition that sounds exactly like Beethoven, nobody will call me creative, mm -hmm. right? But the reason the list is called creative is because he actually did take some elements from the past, but also injected his own. And now that gives list an element of novelty because he did try something new. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how good was it? Right. In order to gauge the goodness or the quality of something is actually have to wait until other people make a judgment on it. Yeah. And it happens that people who've come after list were so happy like and liked Liszt's work that they actually took the elements from Liszt's work into their own. So Liszt actually fits the bill. He actually came up with new things that are different from his predecessors. And what he did, uh, the novel things that he tried, were liked by his um, uh, descendants in a way. And that was found in other uh, in later works. Well, how do you though take into I mean taking the example of List? How do you take into account something like I mean he was he was one of the first sort of rock stars of um, of the classical world, right? Um, mm -hmm. His popularity was affected by his charisma and his good looks, um, <laughs> and so ha perhaps that plays into his legacy as well and the appreciation of his work as well as the sort of I, <laughs> I guess. It's objective but subjective analysis of the quality of the music. Yeah, so of course, you know, how much his actually good looks played into his legacy is something we haven't looked at yet. Mm. <laughs> There's not an easy way of looking at that. Of course, yeah. But, but his entire compositions are there as data for us to see. We can actually compare note by note how different he was from his predecessors and how similar 
His are to the newer uh, generation of composers. And we actually came up with a measure to say, hey, this is how likely that this was made with this person in there, a uh, person in the data, against whether he was not in the data, basically saying that because Liszt was here, uh, how much was the new generation possible? And if it was possible because of Liszt, then we can actually say the Liszt was very influential. And if you take list out from the data, and still if the future actually looks like what it is, then okay, list was not really that important. Mm. That's how we uh, approached it. The obvious place to apply this is, is in the field of creative arts. But when I think about it, I suppose there are lots of areas where creativity can exist um, we, where it might seem a bit more counterintuitive. You know, you could be a creative soccer player or a creative mm-hmm. lawyer or a creative mm-hmm. accountant, uh, and all of those people are very valuable, uh, mm-hmm. particularly in the right circumstances, the creative accountant. Um, can your work and methods be applied to different, um, maybe more tangible areas, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible in theory because what we have done in the work of music is that we actually have broken down music into sort of molecules, if you will, like the series of notes. Right, because it can be mathematical music, right? Yeah, yeah. So we can actually count how many you know, note processions the same ones appear before and later. And I think it could be done with language as well. We could actually take the words and see how they, you know, how often they appeared in the past and the future and to see how influential this person was at this point. But uh, practically, language is a very even more difficult than to deal with than musical notes, which are basically computer codes, right? Mm. It's called the MIDI, where you just put in, you know, just the notes in terms of codes and letters. And language actually is a little more complicated because one of the things that we find real difficult in language is, you know, if you look at just the plain language, the words actually have long-range connections. Mm. And in German, you actually, you know, basically divide two words and actually put a part of it in the back, in the front, in the back. So there are a lot of those problems. But as we have better computers and more sort of understanding of how those are uh, represented symbolically, I think there's a chance that we can actually deal with those uh, issues as well. When you talk about the quality of a, or, or the, you know, the creativity or the quality of a piece of music, that is hugely dependent on culture too though right different cultures have different scales the what what sounds right when it comes to the relationship of notes can differ tremendously in india to what it would in mm-hmm. a place like uh, like new zealand or, or the united kingdom yeah that's absolutely true so that's why we said our work actually uh, focused on piano music from the western musical culture right and even in Korea, we have traditional Korean culture, which definitely uses completely different um, scales and the way of compositions. So uh, we're actually, we're actually, what are we're doing right now is actually looking at the Korean music, how the scales evolved. So we're actually using similar methods that we used for uh, Western classical music. We can definitely see that the music are very um, different qualitatively. And the bigger question is, you know, why, what makes us actually... Uh, feel that these music are great and beautiful, that actually would be sort of the ultimate question regarding creativity. Just finally on this, and I suppose on that question of fostering and creating creativity, often great great works of artistic creativity are a way of processing really strong and sometimes devastating emotions. It's almost like producing that work as a way of, as, as a necessity, it was a way of processing those feelings that are going through a person's body. And I suppose you can kind of extend that out to great scientific 
discoveries and, and creativity. You need to do something, whether it's uh, write a novel to process your feelings or a song, or develop a vaccine in a short period of time, or de- or de- develop a devastating weapon in order to win a war. It is is the circumstance an important part of creativity that is difficult to manufacture, I suppose, is my question. Yeah, um, I agree with that. So um, one thing that a lot of you know, scientist types like me or engineering types, actually, one thing they miss is the human behind whatever activity we're doing, right? So we as humans, even scientists, also artists, don't really necessarily do something because it will help in a practical way. It's a general motivation. I just want to do it. Mm. You know, the motivation can, can come from many different things. And actually, that actually leads to great discoveries. For instance, you know, I was reading um, this biography of Newton, and he didn't really imagine what we are now doing with his discovery. He just wanted to understand the universe in a very clean way. He just believed there was an order behind all the chaotic observations we have from the celestial bodies. He wanted to understand it. And then that's what motivated him to write this great thesis of uh, the mathematical principles, which lays out fundamental rules for predicting the things, uh, predicting the way things move. And then it's up to us to use it in many different ways. You can actually just become more theoretical and maybe make Newton's discoveries even more exact, or you can just take the discoveries and you know send humans to the moon, right? Mm-hmm. But what's behind those discoveries is the human motivation and the want to know. Uh, great pieces of art, great pieces of music, for instance. Beethoven didn't really think about, I guess, modern musical technology. He just wanted to express... Uh, what he was feeling from the senses that were accepting all those uh, stimuli from nature, and he was what he was going for was beauty, mm-hmm. and then that's what gave us all these great pieces of music and other uh, great artists as well. Ji Young Park, it's it's been a real pleasure chatting to you today. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure for me. Thank you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.